welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 162 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and chatting with Elisa and Rachel. Now, Elisa and Rachel are two out of the five amazing certified coaches we have on staff hosting the support circles for the Sober Girls Social Club. Because these women are there to guide and support you on your journey, it's pretty rare that we get to have the opportunity to have them share and to hear their story. Well, today you are in luck. Today you will hear their journey, how they changed their relationship with alcohol and why. I have such mad respect for these women. They are absolutely incredible. And these women were so open and so vulnerable and just very transparent in their shares. And it is so appreciated. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get into it. Hello, ladies. Hello, Alyssa and Rachel. What's going on? Hello. So excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am so excited to hear about your guys' backstories and um, all the amazing things that you're doing within the Sober Girls Guide circles, support circles. And the Sober Girl Social Club. You guys are such amazing women and incredible coaches. So I'm excited to highlight and introduce you to everyone. So let's let's start off with your guys's, I like to call it the BS story. So before sobriety. So Alisa, let's start with you. What was your before sobriety story? What was life like? If you could take us back. Yeah. So Um, For me, I grew up with a super good childhood. Um, I grew up in Colorado, Denver, Colorado. I was super involved in all the sports and Girl Scouts. And um, I have really great parents who both have um, great jobs. And I just had a really great childhood. So everything on that end was amazing. Um, I would say everything kind of changed around like seventh grade. Um, Mm -hmm. My parents let me know that we'd be moving to California for my dad's job. And so I was like, oh my gosh, at such a pivotal time, you know, in our adolescence, when we think we know ourselves and everything is so, it seems like so picture perfect. So we ended up moving and I really struggled because I kind of didn't really know who I was anymore without that core group of friends. And Mm -hmm. so I am more introverted, but since I, you know, knew these people growing up my whole life, I felt like I was extroverted and just so happy and and everything was wonderful. And so I really got thrown into a new situation where I didn't know anybody. And I realized how sheltered I was, you know, now coming Mm -hmm. to California, things move a little bit quicker, especially, you know, when you're getting into the eighth grade, ninth grade. And so, yeah. So, um, I really struggled. I made some really good, um, friends, which I'm very happy for, but it was probably around like ninth grade 
is when I really started drinking for the first time. So mm-hmm. growing up, my parents, again, like they were both super successful. They were really social drinkers. So we always had parties at our house. We went to friends parties. It was just very normalized and it didn't seem like, um, it was kind of glamorized in a way. Like that's just kind of how people hung out and socialize. And so for me, it was really normal. And so when I started drinking, I just felt like, wow, all of this kind of like anxiety and not really knowing who I was just kind of left me. And I just started to feel like this, I started feeling courageous, a false sense of courageousness and a false sense of outgoingness. Um, I had comments of people telling me like, wow, Alyssa, I like you so much better when you're drunk. Like you're so fun and so cool, you know? So I really just like held on to that. And I was like, wow, like this is my new identity. So I just ran with it. Um, And, you know, I was always really good in school, um, very book smart, not very street smart. I can say like, I'm very naive (laughs) and I just feel like I have like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have this good nature about me where I'm just very trusting and like very, oh yeah, like just let's go with the flow. And so honestly, just like anything that you can get caught for, I got caught for everything. Um, Yes, like literally skinny dipping. I would go skinny dipping in high school and my parents had to come pick me up from the cops twice. No. Yes. Oh, and just, no, girl. That in itself is humiliating. And I remember like I woke up like the next day, they picked me up probably at like 4 a.m. And I wanted to go to sleep because I was drunk as shit. Yeah. And my dad was like, no, no, no. Like you're going to get up. And they made me get up and go pick up dog poop in the backyard, like hungover shit in the sun in the morning. And oh. I was just like... Oh my God. So I basically just kind of, I'm not going to say I hung out with the wrong crowd and blame it on other people. It was totally my choice. Like I I really liked drinking. I like how it made me feel, but the consequences were not good. So I ended up getting into a lot of legal trouble. Um, I started stealing, stealing alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I say I was naive, I was actually arrested for that. And and I was a minor and the police officer, you know, took me in and was asking me like, oh, so how many times would you say you've done this? And again, no street smarts. He was like, one time, two times. I was like, oh, probably like seven or eight times. So just like completely telling on myself, you know, because I'm just like so dumb. Just and so, so innocent. Like just yes, an innocent little baby girl. Yes. And like the, that, that was always my response was like, what are you doing? Like, this is not you. I, I From everyone, the police, like my parents, like, who are you trying to be? I don't know what you're trying to do or trying to prove, but this is not you. So yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, kept getting into different legal trouble. Um, I was in a very long, like seven year relationship that was very codependent, very toxic on both ends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I definitely do not blame the other person. I take my part in that, you know, just not having the emotional tools and not knowing how to regulate my emotions. Yeah. Um, And so I would say, I think I was around 25 when I was, you know, at this point I was going to community college since I graduated. So that's what, like seven years of just floating around trying to figure out what do I want to do, you know, working in the retail industry, being a server. So working in the night industry where, okay, Mm. we get off at 11 PM. Now we go get drinks. And so that became every night, um, living for like the brunches and just really glamorizing alcohol Yeah, and having so many problems from it. Just not going anywhere. So I moved, um, I decided to move to Bakersfield, which is about five hours um, from San Diego. So I completely moved away. Um, I went to Cal State Bakersfield to just finish my education. Mm -hmm. Um, I ended up at this point, I knew I wanted to be sober and I was just trying to look anywhere. Like, where can I get help? Mm -hmm. Um, I tried AA, did not, it didn't jive with me. You know, it just felt like 
the vibes that I got were the vibes of kind of like misery and just like, mm-hmm. why can't I be normal? Like, why can't I drink like the normal person? And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to drink. I don't want to be normal. And like yeah. live my whole life, also living my whole life, identifying as an alcohol and kind of putting that over myself, yeah. you know, since our words are so powerful, I didn't want to wake up every day and say, I'm Melissa, I'm alcoholic. That just felt very, um, trapped. I felt that just felt very stuck to me. Yeah. It's limiting. You know, it's funny. Labels can be either like limiting or like extremely like freeing, like, you you know, articulating what you identify with, or it can be like, you're putting yourself in a box. So it sounds like it was quite limiting for you. Mm -hmm. It was very limiting. And, um, and then I also tried, okay, so I had grown up Christian, grew up going to church and going to youth group. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to join a Bible study. Maybe I can meet like-minded women and I can connect that way. Right. And so I joined it and it honestly was a group to, and this is just my experience. It was a group to come together and basically just gossip and kind of bitch about what wasn't going on well in our lives and then I I, yes and I wanted to ask I wanted to be like okay this is where I was still very like vulnerable and I didn't want to ask people like do you drink do you don't I just assumed they didn't I thought like I don't know why I thought Christian people like don't drink but they would be like yeah we're gonna go home after this and like drink our wine and I was like "What?" what like I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like nothing makes sense. I thought this was about growth and lifting each other up, but really we're just coming here to kind of talk shit and then go yeah. get drunk afterwards. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh. what is this? Like, I just wanted one cool person that didn't drink so that I could have fun and learn how to be myself. And so every night I really would cry and just pray to God, like, God, please just send me one person, one friend. And so I ended up meeting my now boyfriend. He was the RA um, in the dorm I was staying at. And, um, we're complete opposites. And honestly, I think spirit, God, universe put him in my life for a reason. So he grew up in Watts in LA in the projects. Um, his mom was an immigrant from El Salvador, single mom raised, uh, six kids, you know, on welfare. And so he came from this scary, really, really tough life. And instead of kind of turning to drugs or alcohol or like the gang life, he stayed home with his mom. He was like a mama's boy, you know, really great friends with his mom and then just went directly to college. So for him, you know, he saw his dad as an alcoholic and what he saw the unglamorous style of what drugs, alcohol, and all of that can do to somebody. So he never drank. He was the complete opposite. And, um, Yes. And just super amazing person with his head on his shoulders. Like, and he made it very clear, you know, when we met, he knew that I was drinking. And so we started kind of dating a little bit. And then he was like, okay, Alyssa, one of my boundaries and conditions, and this is not from a controlling place. I don't want a girlfriend who drinks that doesn't fit with my lifestyle. I completely understand if you want to continue drinking and, you know, we can go our separate ways, but if you want to be with me, that's, that's what it is. There's no alcohol. And so I was like, wow, like this is a godsend because finally I had someone holding me accountable, even though I know I had to do the work for myself. It was like, sure. before I could put in those boundaries myself, I had this other person who was like, Hey, I mean, it's been great to know you, but you can leave now if you don't want to stick to that because he's so stuck on his boundaries and his standards and what he wants. And so that yeah. really, mm-hmm, so that really standards, started, yes, standards, standards. And, That's the yes. key word there. And he's the type of person that's like, Hey, there's so many people in this world. Like 
if we don't have the same foundational standards, it's not going to work from the beginning. The trust is not there. How can someone who doesn't drink and doesn't go out to bars and clubs be with somebody who does? It just, you know, for us, it would just start off on a very rocky foundation. Yeah. So it's a disconnect, right? It's just, it's just, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just like different strokes for different folks. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And so, yeah. So honestly, our relationship has been such a mirror because our relationships are mirrors. So, I mean, it just, it brought up so much for me because so I really started my sobriety journey with him. And so it's like, I realized things about myself, like small lies. Like I would, I was so used to just making up small lies because I was such a people's pleaser. I didn't, Mm. it was more easy and convenient for me to just say something really quickly, lazily, you know, without really just saying the truth. And I didn't really want to face who I was because I still didn't really know who I was. So different things kind of came up from that. And then, um, the other, so just to tie this in really quickly. Um, the other cool thing is, you know, while I was going to college where we met, um, I took a life after death class for one of my religious prerequisites. And so this professor was like, he's like 65 years old and his whole life he's studied different religions and then what happens when we die. And so he studied, um, yeah, like, bed bedside visions um near-death experiences mediumship all of that and so that is when I was like oh my god I learned that I'm not just this person like going through life I'm actually a soul you know who's like the observer of my thoughts I'm not my thoughts I'm not my negative thinking I'm something much bigger than that and so that really started my spiritual journey whoa I love that yeah that's incredible Mm-hmm. It's, it's and it's so true like literally life will put these things in your path like whether you like it or not or whether you're looking or not but it'll it'll work it'll kind of deliver for you and it sounds like it definitely did that's so interesting yeah it's crazy and um so I you know was going through my sobriety journey my spiritual journey just waking up to everything like reading about chakras like oh what the hell is this like an an energetic wheel of energy that we have like inside of us you know like just learning about all this stuff like just getting super drawn into it and it felt like it made sense like it just Mm. I felt like I was kind of coming home to myself like this stuff just made so much sense it resonated Um, and so just starting to learn like Kundalini yoga and just learning tools on how to regulate my emotions. And so like at this time I was also, um, this is the first job I ever had in the quick loop industry. This is the first job I had where I was sober. So I quickly, you know, promoted myself, grew to a management level, um, and then became admin. Now I'm the recruiter. And it's like, when we remove alcohol, the possibilities of us just blossoming and, you know, being our true capable selves, we can move up so fast. It's just incredible. Dude. Yes, absolutely. I mean, look at, look at how you thought like drinking as, as a teenager, thought that it gave you all this like freedom and, and, uh, being courageous and confident. It's, you know, it's, it's not true. It's fake. It's built on this like toothpick kind of foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, but like when you actually do the work and yeah, of course it's uncomfortable. It's extremely uncomfortable and it takes time. Um, you're, you're literally building a foundation of like, that's so solid that like whatever happens and you know things happen in life once you get sober it's not just all like hunky-dory and rose-colored glasses but like you said that you know yourself you have that that place to come home to you have that foundation you know how to regulate your emotions 
this stuff is only going to help you in life in every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. Not just like quitting booze. Mm-hmm. So there's, like you said, there's such a bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. Yeah. It's, um, it. it's, it's amazing because like the social anxiety, um, the toxic relationships, all of that stuff, it's just, it no longer serves you once you have this really, like you said, you come home to yourself and you have this foundation of like, Oh, who I am. And then you can just begin to shine without, you don't need alcohol. You don't need anything. You're just so comfortable with yourself, which I'd never felt comfortable, you know, being myself and showing myself. So yeah, it's amazing. Definitely. I mean, it's a courageous act actually, first of all, bring awareness, like actually learn about yourself because no one is really taught to do that. No one's like, okay, we're going to sit down and have a lesson in you today. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're all, we're taught and we're, we're told what to buy, what to do, how to like act to be accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's just be like, okay, well, like, let's take a lesson into you and what you want and what you need and how you feel. Exactly. So and they should teach that. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing in the in our support circles too. Like you guys mm-hmm. are are leading and guiding women through, you know, coming home to themselves. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for Thank you for your story, Rach. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about uh, your story before sobriety? What what life was like? What was BS like, Rach like? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Long story short, I will say that um, I kind of grew up in a household um, that they were addicts, both my parents. my dad was an alcoholic and, um, on his side, my grandpa and kind of goes from there. And so just kind of growing up, I always would see that parties. I mean, um, everything was just kind of involved in that. So I didn't know really anything different. Um, the area I grew up in and my mom was like my best friend when I was a child and she took such good care of us, um, try to shelter us as much. So I felt kind of a little sheltered in that way, but mm. it was always, I knew something was going on, you know, cause there would always be these highs and then these really, really lows mm. and she would make these, yes, make these excuses and just kind of became a little child that was like, Oh, there's something a little more than this. Um, mm. but also was going to church. My parents didn't, but I would make sure I took my brothers to church. So I kind of took that role of taking care of my brothers because they were younger than me Yeah, and really just try to dive into anything. Always felt out of place, you know, didn't really know where my place was. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I said, my mom kept us all together. We were never like separated. So that's kind of all I ever knew really. Um, And then as I got older, um, about the age of 13, she kind of just flipped a little bit and decided that she wanted to have a little bit of fun too and became um, addicted to pills Okay. and um, kind of experienced her um, overdosing quite a few times mm. and yeah, and kind of had to go home and clean up that mess and mm. um, just didn't really understand what was going on a lot because my dad decided he was going to quit drinking alcohol and, and, you know, gave that up at the time. I was 13. Yeah. 
but my mom was became the focus and she was just like I would she wasn't she would drink but nothing out of the ordinary you know it may be one but if she yeah. would do you know pills or we would be around people she would get socially um anxiety yeah so I, I caught on to that and um about the age of 16 is when it got really really bad in the house and um she was probably overdosing just about once a month or even twice a month wow. you know um going home to, you know, ambulance and cops and things like that. And just not understanding. Cause yeah, my dad, well, you're was, a baby, you know, yes. like 12 years old. I mean, this is, yeah, you're a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And always an excuse. There was always an excuse of, yeah. of what, what the behavior was in the house. And I believed it, you know, so very naive yeah. to um, try to dive into school because I, I became to, you know, I started to think like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be like my parents, you know, mm. um, how am I going to get out of this? Because I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know any resources of, you know, any help. We couldn't talk about it at school. Mm. Um, I maybe had a couple friends that knew about it, but I also felt embarrassed. So I would, you know, hide that from them. For sure. Um, and then at age 16, she just kind of became this person who was like, you know, you're 16, you should be drinking and you should be trying all these things. And, you know, if you're, you know, you're going to do them eventually and, you know, let's do them in the house. And that way, you know, you'll, you'll be okay. And I know what you're doing. Okay. And I didn't understand that. I was like, no, that's, that's not the path I want, but she just, <sighs> she an interesting just, parenting approach, but yes, right on. <laughs> And, you know, at the time I thought that was normal because I didn't know any different and it's my yeah. mom and, you know, and it's not the proudest moment of her, but, you know, she kind of was like, get out there and, you know, go to these parties. And I, at that moment, I knew I was like, okay, I need to do something because, or drink or do something because I don't feel comfortable in these, in this atmosphere. You know, I was used to being home with one of my best friends, reading books and, you know, talking about all the girls doing the bad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of like, okay, I need something to like make this better. And so yeah. I started drinking. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mm. not wanting to do it, but just thinking that's what everybody's doing. And especially where I grew up in, like that's, that was the normal, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of experimented a little bit, knew I didn't like it. Cause I, I, I still in the back of my mind, I was like, if you do drugs or you drink, you're not going to become anything. That's what my pers you know, perspective was of that. Okay. And so I kind of let it go and occasionally be like that once in a while, you know, thing that I would drink or, and it was, I just always felt weird about it. Mm. And then I met my boyfriend, um, about the age of 16, 17. And I had went through another situation with a guy that, um, at the time the, the date rape drug was out and, mm -hmm. um, he had put something in our drinks. And so I kind of knew that staying away from mm -hmm. alcohol and, you know, that sort of thing and met my boyfriend then, and he didn't really, he was also kind of had a bad background. Um, but he was very much like, I, he knew that I had these boundaries of like, I don't want to drink and I don't want to become this and this and this. Right. And so that lasted about two and a half years. And then at the age of 19, we broke up and it was all because I decided I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. We have our own place. We got jobs. We know what we're going to do with our life. Like, yes. I'm going to go out with my friends. You go out with yours. And I drank and I 
cheated on him that night and just oh, kissed wow. another guy. Yeah. Totally forgot, you know, <laughs> the, the alcohol yeah. numbs everything. You're on top of the world. Yeah. And oopsie daisies. Oops. <laughs> yeah. And decided I needed to get out of that because I just wasn't ready. I didn't want to get married at that age. And from 19, that just, that was my, I think my most hard year because I drank a lot. Yeah. Um, was hanging out with people that were way, way, way older than me and definitely would, you know, said it was okay to do all these things. And so, yeah. and I just loved the feeling at the time because I was in so much pain and I was in so much hurt. And mm. part of the story is I had to leave my house because my mom had gotten so bad. And, um, mm. you know, I just knew that if I did that, there was a chance of me not being able to go to college and stuff like that. And so it was just something that really helped, you know, help the pain. And yeah. I did that for a little while. And on my 21st birthday, um, I decided to give it up. <laughs> okay. And I did. Ironic. And then at, I know. <laughs> I was like, uh, this might be a sign at 21. I need to give it up. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I'm going with it. I'm going yeah. with it. And I did that for a little while. But then I ended up with somebody living with a roommate who was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, did not know the extent of that because like every like we kind of say you know I thought it was people who were on the side of the road and Mm. things like that um but she was a very functioning alcoholic and those highs and lows came back and it reminded me of my childhood you know I was like oh this is this is a little familiar what's going on here yeah very familiar very familiar and I was so disconnected at that age from 19 to 30 and didn't really know that's what was going on yeah um and that I went to an AA meeting with her because I was trying to be a supportive roommate yeah and it was just terrible you know I was like oh my god and I quit drinking around her because it wasn't my priority at the time um I had just moved to Austin and was like you know I'm gonna get this career going and I, I was fine. Um, but then at the age of 30, we sep- we went our separate ways because it was really bad for her. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, I just realized like I was on my own. I didn't have anybody to, you know, check in with and, you know, all the things. And I was away from my family and just, I went full force. And I met some people that were way younger with, than me and I was hanging mm-hmm. out with them and totally just really went in with the drinking. Mm. really really did and I met my husband during that time my husband now and he would he he was one of those people that would drink but it was no big deal half a beer he would leave behind you know and I was just like huh but it was always me you know and then um in 2019 I lost my mom um to her addiction yeah and she was about I think she was 53 and that moment I knew that night um I had been holding all the feelings in because I didn't want to you know let that go yet because I knew what that meant and um I went to her funeral the night before I got so shit-faced so bad yeah (laughs) I think I was able to like and the expectation my mom put on me was that I was going to be the one to do her funeral and all these things and I, so I thought I was going to do that, but I had, I had no way to do it. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I had always been the strong one in the family, you know? So it was such a, all these 
emotions and feelings. And um, the next day I couldn't make it to the funeral. I was, I was, I was just having all the anxiety. I mean, and at this point, my anxiety was probably the highest I, that I ever have had. And yeah. I kind of just, at that moment, um, I knew something was wrong because it was making me very sick. And my husband was very disappointed because he's like, you, you know, you got to go to this. And I was, I went, I looked like crap. I was shaking. I, I was so embarrassed. I stayed mm. in the restroom throwing up the whole time. Mm. It was a terrible experience. It was, it was a very terrible experience. And I decided after that, I mean, I still drank a little bit, but every time I would drink, I would get sick. Yeah. And two ERs later, I kind of just, you know, picked myself up one day and it was during COVID. Um, I had gotten really, really drunk. Yeah. And realized, um, went to the ER and they were like, you're fine. No COVID, no flu, like you're fine. And I'm like, uh, something's not right. Cause I was sick for a whole week after that. Interesting. And yeah, I would just like, every time I would drink at that point, drinking beer or, and that was my thing. I would drink beer and wine. I would get deathly sick. Huh. And so, and that kind of had always been my story, but I never put like two and two together, you know, yeah. like I just kind of was like, oh, it's a hangover. I'm in my twenties. It'll be fine. And then yeah. it's like, oh, thirties. Yeah. And so not so fine. <laughs> <laughs> not so fun. They do get worse. Yep. And then I just decided after the last ER trip, I took a picture of myself and I said, can't do this anymore. Um, I could tell my husband was getting disappointed. Um, he wouldn't really ever say too, too much, but there were a little here and there conversations, you know? Um, and at that point I decided, I was like, I need help. And I think what really helped me is I said it out loud because mm. I've always been the person who was like, I'm going to take care of all these things, just saying that I needed help and I just can't drink wow. really just released so much. Yeah. And I knew I needed to do the work with, with my mom, you know, just kind of all these feelings that kept coming up. And yeah. I always tell people that was kind of the last gift she gave me was to be sober. Cause I do feel like she, she's there watching over me now, helping yeah. me through these times, you know, she's, I'm doing what she couldn't do. Yeah. If that makes sense. So. Absolutely. Wow. Rach, your story is so incredible. Thanks. I appreciate you know, like that. You're such a strong, like inspiring woman. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I could take that now, you know, before yeah. it was, it was a little hard. Cause it was just like, that's all I knew. And that's what ex was expected of me. And um, yeah. really just finding out I needed to do the work. And that meant digging deep and sitting with those feelings that hurt and, and mm. crying and yeah. So. Getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, man. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. So hard. It's, it's hard, hard. But like, what is the other option? Keep running? Yeah. Yeah. There, that, and that's not an option, especially where I was at, getting sick and just yeah. kind of being like, God, I mean, the last time I drank, I literally had half a beer of one of my favorite beers. And I went straight. I couldn't even. I went straight to the restroom and threw up. And wow. I was like, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> Wow. Your body is literally rejecting it. It is. And knowing I'm like five, two and like 120 pounds. I'm like, and I was drinking, like I was six, seven and 300 pounds. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that'll so. do it. That'll, that, that'll do it. That would do it. Wow. Rich, <laughs> thanks so much for sharing your story. 
That was thank you for letting me really beautiful. Um, you guys both have really incredible stories and how you have made the choices to change your relationship with alcohol. And now you've got kind of gone one step further and taken the plunge into helping other women change their relationships with alcohol. What is the catalyst behind that? What, why did you go down that out, that road, let's say, Elisa, let's start with you. Yeah. So for me, you know, when, when I was really trying to get sober and, you know, I was from the last time that I've, you know how like we try to get sober for like so many years, you try to moderate all of the things. So what I really noticed before my actual last time of like my longest time of being alcohol free is that I was living compartmentalized lives. Like I was really hiding in the spiritual closet. I was hiding in the sobriety closet. I would have never like the people at my work now had no idea who I was in my past life. It felt like it was, I was a completely different person. And so I just kept everything so separate um, Mm. because I had so much shame behind it. And so, yeah. And so what really helped me was like, I did a lot of, um, inner child work and then also shadow work and just really getting acceptance and, um, clearing all the guilt and shame from the things that were like the most traumatic to me. So like by, by 22, I was arrested with three DUIs by the age of 22. I felt like if I ever told somebody that I was sober, like the word, kind of like the stigma behind sobriety, I would have to explain all of that. And I did not want to face off with that. And so, you know, once I learned like, our past behaviors and experiences really don't define who we are now. If you can lead with the discomfort and lead, put that first foot forward and say like, Oh, this is who I am. This is what I've been through. It completely takes away the shame and fear and guilt. And then Mm. I really wanted to take it a step further and start coaching and helping other women because I just see like, if I was able to have gone through this, these crazy experiences that we've all been through and then just come out on the complete other side and just yeah. go through the healing process and healing journey, I know it is possible for anybody. And so I really just wanted to um, share my story, put myself out there and then just help other women go through the whole like healing process and spiritual journey and also just bring like fun to it, fun, Mm -hmm. lightness. I feel like a lot of times, you know, we, it's important to do the shadow work and the inner child work, but we can also tend to get stuck there. And so, you know, so you're just like always sitting in this heaviness. And so it's good to address it, do the work with someone who's qualified and then really just stand in the light, shine in the light and just be so excited for who we are. It completely take away any stigmas from the word sobriety. That's why I love a sober girls yeah. club. It's like, yes, girl, like I am a sober <laughs> girls guide. It just makes it so fun. Like it takes away any of like the stickiness and just bringing yeah. fun and lightness to it, you know, connecting, um, like to spirit and just everything that just feels light. It's, it just removes the heaviness. So that's mm-hmm. why I wanted to really take it a step further and start coaching. I love that. And you definitely do that. Like, of course we deal, you know, with maybe heavier topics. We have a lot of emotions and stuff come up, but we can actually look to the, to the future and look forward and be like, this is all for the greater good. Like this is all going to help me in the long run. Like there, the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is for in my best interest. Yes. Yes. And that's why I always like to say, they say that you're, um, I'm trying to remember this thing. I think it's like 
your pain and your something like your pain is your medicine. So basically Mm. I like to think whatever you've been through, like these horrible things, you know, that are whatever you've been through, just think of it as like, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. So this that you overcome is going to be somehow connected to your purpose. And it doesn't have to be connected to your career, but it's going to be, these were all um, lessons that you specifically your soul was here to go through so that you can come out on the other side and somehow help other people and just bring the light to other people. So if you look at it like that, it's like, it brings so much acceptance and like, okay, like this did happen for a reason. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not something you need to hide or shy away from, you know, this is just part of living and growing and expanding actually. Mm -hmm. And everyone has their stuff. Like, believe me, if anyone who looks perfect, your boss, your mom, your family, anyone on social media that looks perfect, they all have their darkness that they're just not, they're just either not accepting it or they're just not bringing light to it, which that doesn't serve anybody because it just keeps you in this weird, like, shell of trying to have a face that you're facing off with everybody that everyone can feel the inauthenticity in that. So nobody's perfect. Yeah. Perfect's boring anyways. Like... Yes. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> boring. <laughs> we like real around here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Rach, what, what is your reason for, um, you know, taking, taking your experiences with changing your, your, uh, relationship with alcohol and becoming a coach? I think for me, it was, um, I always knew that I wanted to do something as far as like helping others. Um, I've, I've always just been very, that type of person that wants to help everybody. When I was younger, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I wanted to be a counselor. Um, but I didn't, couldn't go through the school because of, you know, the atmosphere I was in. So I was like always searching for something, um, Mm -hmm. almost got into like church ministry and just all the kind of, you know, just anything like that. And so, um, I knew I, I was, there was a gift inside of me, but I just couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah and numbing and all that kind of stuff. And after I kind of just gave that up and, um, got sober and, you know, and because of my health and everything and knew it wasn't good for me, I realized I was like, I really just, I want everybody to be on this train. You know, Mm. (laughs) I want everybody to feel as good as I do and clarity and just not have to be so bound with alcohol and everything's involving alcohol. And so that kind of motivated me at the beginning. And then of course, listening to your podcast and just how great you are and how laid back, I was like, I really want to do this. Like you really like inspired me. And I decided, um, I was scared, you know, I was just always like, I, maybe I'm not good enough or maybe, you know, I don't have anything to say, but I felt like I did because I started this process early on, you know, like what I want my podcast to be or anything like that. Yeah. And so, um, I think one day you were doing a podcast and you said, you know, what are you waiting for? Like, don't be scared. Just come, you know, (laughs) do it, just do it. Yeah. And I went to your website and I searched and, you know, it said certified coach. And I was like, I do want to do this. I want to give back. And Mm -hmm. that's been my motivation the whole time. It's just, I want to give back because I feel so good about my sobriety. And that's really what kind of led me there. And I love the coaching. I just love hearing people's stories. And that was really something also that made me realize, like, I really like hearing people's stories. I just love that. And your podcast provides that. And that's what kind of was like, I really want to do this. And that's where it led me to you. Oh, that's so <laughs> great. That's so nice to hear. 
and you yes. are doing it. You are, you, you did it scared. You took the, the step, you, you're here, you did all the things and you are <laughs> thriving, not just surviving through it. You are kicking it. Thank you. I'm so I, proud to have you. Thank you. It's just taking that leap. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I had to ask for somebody to sponsor me for the, the program and everything. But I was like, I'm doing this. This is this is my heart. It's in my gut. And yeah. do it. So thank well, you. We are so proud and happy that you did. <laughs> <laughs> so happy um one more question you guys what so you guys host um support circles each week within the sober girl social club um can you give us a little insight of to what the kind of feel is or style um and energy that you bring to your specific circle so alisa your your circle is is kind of more based around spirituality because that's you know what really aided you through your journey but can you give us a little insight into what that looks like yes so yeah for me spirituality and what i mean by that is just i kind of look at it as like the relationship to self and so yeah. how can we really get to know ourselves on a deeper level and so i like to bring um just so many different tools and tricks that I've learned into the circle. So yeah. I like to pick a topic, um, you know, based kind of like on the wheel of life. So what is something that we're going through relationship wise, finances, um, career, you know, all of those. And then I kind of tie in a topic that has to do with spirituality. And yeah. then we just really go around and share um, kind of the different questions that I bring and share what's on the plate for us now. So it's very present mm. and forward looking, yeah. um, you know, so it's, it's, you, I want you to leave feeling good. I want you to leave feeling better than you came to it. I want yeah. it to be something that you look forward to something that could kind of be in place of maybe you're having, um, a rough time or maybe you feel triggered because you have something going on this week that used to make you want to drink but you can look forward to these circles come meet like-minded women and just feel uplifted afterwards so I like mm -hmm. to make it feel fun uplifted um, I love to bring like oracle cards and do like an oracle card reading for the, yes. the theme yes I like whatever it is and just bring like the woo-woo magical slash practical steps and tools that we can use to just feel good I love that love it Thank you. Thank you. Rach, can you give us an insight to your circle? It's called uh, when the Wednesday recharge. Can you give us a little feel of what the, what the energy is and maybe the topics that you, you bring every, every week? Yeah. So um, I try to bring also a little bit of positivity, uplifting. It's kind of the middle of the week and yeah. keep you going for the rest of the week. Um, I, try to, you know, I want it to be a very comfortable, open conversation. Um, everyone feels comfortable to share and interact with each other, um, ask any questions. Um, at the end of it, a little positivity, you know, a little mantra or a little, you know, tidbit to keep you positive um, mm. and just uplifting. And I would say as far as topics go, um, just kind of finding the joy in sobriety, you know, rediscovering mm. yourself in, in sobriety. I think yeah. that's, you know, just helpful and, and big and just kind of um, making sure it's just open and everyone feels comfortable coming and just sharing their story. That's that's really where where I'm going. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. Can you tell us where we can find you on the World Wide Web? 
Lisa, let's start with you. Yes. So for me, Instagram goddess X growth is my Instagram. And then I have my link tree on there. Um, yeah. For the other offerings that I have. Perfect. Rach, where can we find you on the World Wide web? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's a sober lifestyle tribe. Okay. And then I also have a website, sober lifestyle tribe.com and you could reach me anyway that way. Awesome. Thank you ladies so much for your time, your experience, your wisdom. This has been such an honor to talk to you and share your stories. Yes. I just want to say thank you Jess so much for the opportunity. Um, this podcast was really what got me through my sobriety journey. It's the only sober content I've ever listened to. And so it's just such a full circle moment. Me and Rachel were saying like, you know, just being such um, dedicated listeners and then, you know, going through the coaching program and now just getting to know you personally, you're so amazing. Everything that you're doing is just opening up (laughs) opportunities and growth for so many people. So I'm so appreciative of you and so excited to be with you (laughs) oh my god thank you so much that's so kind of you okay i'm not crying you're crying that was so incredibly sweet and i swear i did not pay them to say that This has been one of the many, many perks of sobriety and starting this community is finding amazing like-minded women just like Elisa and Rachel and being able to work alongside them with this community has been just, it's been blowing my mind. I am so, so grateful and so fortunate for them. And I definitely would not be here doing this without their love and support. So this is just an example of one of the many, many perks of going booze free. As always, thank you for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave your feedback about the podcast. We love to hear your comments. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and head over to asobergirlsguide.com. We got you lock, stocked, and loaded so you do not have to be. From anything from merch to our Sober Girl Social Club, we have you at any stage of your recovery journey. We got your back, girl. Head to asobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.